Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hi, Katie. Hi, Keith. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I am all right. Great. Uh, exciting week in pop music. You know, it really is. Things are picking up for the summer, it feels like. Things are popping. They're popping. They're locking. They're popping. They're locking. <laughs> they're, they're, they're dancing the night away, really. Watch me. <laughs> watch me just, dance. Just watch me. <laughs> um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Bad Bunny hops straight into the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart with his latest single, Where She Goes, how Beyonce's Renaissance track, America Has a Problem, re-enters the chart and into the top 40 thanks to a new remix with Kendrick Lamar and how Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time now has the most weeks atop the Billboard 200 chart for a country album in over 30 years. Also on the show, we're talking all about the new Mark Ronson-produced Barbie soundtrack. And we got the first taste last week with Dua Lipa's Dance the Night. You might have noticed us, you know, singing a little bit of that at the beginning. Not exactly singing. Like, clap, clap. <laughs> also, Taylor Swift uh, broke off a new Karma remix with Ice Spice, and she live debuted the song on Friday night. She put out a music video Friday night into Saturday morning. We're getting a lot of content from uh, from Taylor and Ice Spice, so we'll talk all about that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Let's do the chart chat. First up, on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, as Morgan Wallen's Last Night rules for an eighth week at number one, Tusi's favorite song flies into the top five for the first time, jumping eight to five in the wake of a new remix of the track with Future. Plus, Bad Bunny's new song, Where She Goes, debuts in the top ten at number eight, marking the tenth top ten for the artist. Remarkably, it's also his 70th chart entry. Uh, and he's notched all 70 of them in about the last five and a half years. Staying with the Hot 100, Beyonce's America Has a Problem re-enters the chart at number 38 following the release of its new remix featuring Kendrick Lamar. It's a new peak for the track, which previously topped out at number 69. Now, for those keeping track, Beyonce's Renaissance album has now charted eight top 40 charting hits on the Hot 100. The number one, Break My Soul, the number six, Peaking Covet, as well as Energy, Church Girl, I'm That Girl, Cozy, Alien Superstar, and now America Has a Problem. And that one uh, was kind of a surprise digital release yeah, last week. it came out on Friday evening, I want to say, the previous Friday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't think anyone was expecting that to show up out of the blue. Uh, no, but, you know, the Renaissance World Tour is in full effect, so maybe we'll get some more treats along the way. Maybe Kendrick will turn up somewhere. Uh, maybe he will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if we got a... Uh, sort of Madonna mashup remix and we got a Kendrick Lamar <sighs> remix which is a more proper real remix where Kendrick did something you know new and Kendrick references Billboard in the song he does he brings up our um, 50 greatest rappers of all time list where he is number two right behind Beyonce's husband Jay-Z 
And uh, he gives a little shout out that we did it right. He is supposed to be just behind Jay-Z. Thank God there wasn't like, you know. Yeah, it's not angry reference for once. Which is normally what happens. (laughs) Normally someone's pissed off with us. Kendrick loves us. Um, Let's not get crazy. (laughs) Lastly, Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time spins a 12th week in a row and in total atop the Billboard 200 albums chart. Now, that's the most weeks at number one for a country album in over 30 years uh, because the album actually surpasses the 11-week reign of Taylor Swift's Fearless back in 2008 and 2009. Thus, Wallen has the most weeks at number one for a country album since Billy Ray Cyrus's Some Gave All. Oh, wow. Which notched 17 weeks all consecutively atop the list between June 13th and October 3rd of 1992. Wow. God, I, I, Katie was a mere toddler at the time. Uh, I was 10. Okay. I remember the Billy Ray <laughs> moment all too well. That, that darn <laughs> achy breaky heart. I think, every, I think that album was probably so hugely popular because everyone wanted to do the dance that went along oh, yeah. with it. And so unlike today, where if you see a viral dance on TikTok and you want to participate, all you have to do is go find the sound on TikTok or some other streaming Streaming. service for, you know, ostensibly free or you pay like a buck or something. If you really feel so moved back then, if you wanted to learn the dance and do it at home with your best girlfriends or your family or your kids or you want to you saw it in the in the club that you were at, the bar that you were at and you wanted to learn Mm -hmm. how to do it on your own. You had to go buy the CD. Yeah. So you could like and play so it over and over. And so people did. And so people did for a, a, a long sure time. And they did. <laughs> um, well, anyway, and also back then, the, the chart was just nothing but album sales. We didn't have those fancy streams involved. <laughs> Newfangled streams. Newfangled streams. Well, one thing at a time earned 129,000 equivalent album units in the United States in the week ending May 25th. That was down 4%, of course, according to Luminate. One Thing at a Time debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart dated March 18th and has yet to yield the top slot. As it has now spent its first 12 weeks at number one, One Thing at a Time is just the second album to rule for its first 12 weeks on the chart. So meaning an album debuted at number one and then spent its next 12 consecutive weeks at number one. The only other album to have done that is Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, which had its first 13 weeks at number one back in late 1976 and early 1977 of its total 14 weeks. At okay, we've talked a lot about like when is Morgan going to stop this run? Well, it feels like he has maybe his first real contender. To face next or the next week's chart. I, I, yeah. Yes. Yes. And who is that? That would be one Miss Taylor Swift. Wait, but Keith, speak now. Taylor's version doesn't come out till July seventh. What's uh, this album that's going to go to number one? Well, <laughs> it's an album that's already been at number one. A little album called Midnight's, uh, because uh, as Katie will tell us all about here in a second. Um, in addition to the new remix of Karma, which dropped uh, last Friday with Ice Spice. Uh, Taylor decided to, and this is a little convoluted and complicated. Let's do it. Let's get into it. (laughs) Taylor (laughs) decided to release on Friday a uh, new uh, sort of deluxe version of Midnight's called the... Till Dawn Edition. Thank you. The Till Dawn Edition, which includes all of the standard albums, original 13 tracks, 
the additional seven tracks that were on the 3 a.m. a deluxe edition, mm-hmm. which came out the same day as the original Midnight's album, plus an additional three songs, uh, one of which is... We've got the Karma remix with Ice Spice. Yes. We've got the more Lana Del Rey version of Snow on the Beach. Which, were, which, which already existed on the Midnight's album. Correct. But now there's a, 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 a more Lana version. <laughs> and... Well, and... And the third song is Hits Different, which was previously only available on the Target-exclusive CD version of the original Midnight's album. But wait, Keith, I was promised a brand new Taylor Swift song also last week. What's the story on that? So, (laughs) um, in addition to this uh, Till Dawn edition, Taylor decided to, last Friday, release a new iteration of Midnight's called the uh, Late Night Edition, which has the original 13 Midnight's tracks, uh, five of the seven 3 a.m. edition tracks. Uh-huh. Uh, it removes two tracks <laughs> from those seven. Uh-huh. And then it has more snow on the beach. Mm-hmm. It has the Karma remix. Mm-hmm. And then it has a totally previously unreleased song called You're Losing Me. Now, here's the twist. You're Losing Me, and this iteration of the album, the the Till Dawn edition. The Late Night. Thank you. Late Night edition. So confusing. Taylor. You got this. Was only available on a CD, a physical CD that was sold exclusively at her shows in New Jersey this past weekend at merch stands. Like where you go buy hoodies and posters, they were also selling a CD. But then on Friday, the Friday before Memorial Day, I got an email from Taylor Nation saying I could buy that version digitally for for 24 24 hours. hours. For 24 hours only from 8 p.m. Eastern on Friday night to 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night, they offered that same iteration of the album as a digital album only on Taylor Swift's web store. They have not released that You're Losing Me track as a standalone track anywhere, streaming streaming. or purchasable, Mm -hmm. as of the recording of this on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, Things could have changed by the time you hear this. And that album is still not available. It it was only available for 24 hours as a digital album. It didn't go up in iTunes yet, as far as I know. And that CD so far is only available or was only available at her shows. Yeah. So if you really wanted that one song, you were going to fork over $10 for the CD if you happen to be one of the lucky thousands of people at mm-hmm. that show, or you ran to her web store and paid $6 for it because it was $5.99. Okay. And, oh, on top of all that, <laughs> she released a new color variant of the Midnight's standard vinyl LP. Uh, it was initially sold through Taylor's web store for like two days only as a pre-order uh, before last Friday. And then it shipped out starting last Friday. Uh, it's like a new sort of, it's like a swirly purple it's variant. It's lavender marble. Yeah, there, there, there's, 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 sort of a, there's sort of a conspiracy theory online, which I've yet to actually verify, where <laughs> apparently the new color variant is actually the Target Canada color variant. Mm. And so, like, I guess technically this might be the first time it's being sold in America. I don't know. Um, so maybe they just had some extra. Maybe. And they put it for sale um, to... 
keep this Midnight's uh, juice rolling. Beyond her web store <laughs> selling that vinyl, that new color vinyl, uh, it also became available at independent record stores uh, starting on Friday. Mm-hmm. So if you happen to live in an area where there's an independent record store, such as Newberry Comics, Amoeba, Bull Moose, Rough Trade, get the idea, um, they may have a copy of that mm-hmm. in store. And that is what I have to say. So Oof. all of those things combined, knowing what Taylor uh, is so capable of achieving. Yes. Um, I think all that combined with the Ice Spice remix Should of Karma. Should take Midnight's right back up to number one. Seems kind of plausible. It feels very plausible. So tell us about uh, Ice Spice I was going to say, Karma. might as well talk about Ice Spice as well. <laughs> I mean, it was quite the, I mean, okay. So she announced all, everything Keith just said, she announced that last week. And then the uh, the Ice Spice version of, of Karma came out uh, at midnight. But then it just the train kept rolling on Friday because she obviously had her first date um, uh, in New Jersey at uh, Met the MetLife Stadium. First of three dates over the weekend, her her New York area show, and she first debuted the music video at the concert. Oh, she played it for everybody. Probably like like maybe at the start of the midnight section. I guess I'm not sure exactly where that was tucked in, but she kind of gave a whole preamble about how uh, Ice Spice had actually reached out to her about collaborating. Like just basically like I'm letting you know I'm like a massive Taylor Swift fan. I would love to collaborate. And Taylor said on stage that she had actually been listening to Ice Spice's music like crazy when she was prepping for her tour. the The call up came in like January when she was doing Eras tour prep. And she said she had fallen in love with Ice Spice's music while she was prepping for the tour and had it on her daily playlist. And so she's like, you know what? This actually kind of makes sense. So this whole thing, the the wheels started moving for this in January, apparently. Oh. And um, yeah, I mean, and to be fair, there's this whole cinematic music video. I mean, like, we didn't know anything about this collaboration. And then all of a sudden there's this, like, music video that looks like it took a minute to shoot and you know create and so obviously the um you know this has been in the works for a little bit it's a beautiful music video taylor directed it a lot of symbolism as she's wont to do uh but it's also like got references to like botticelli and like uh the yellow brick road and they're like lassoing planets and taylor's an entire like mountain range like her body's a mountain range there's all sorts of crazy visuals in it so that happened during the show, and so I'm sure the fans were thinking, oh, that's nice. We get this little treat. No one else is going to see it until midnight. And then she brings out Ice Spice for the final song of the show, which is the Karma remix, and uh, live debuts the song right there. Hmm. Uh, Joe Lynch, our coworker, was in the audience, and so he was feeding me all this information. I wrote an entire article about the music video before you know it hit online on midnight. at midnight. Uh, he sent me everything to write up a thing about the live debut there was a lot that happened at that concert um but other things happened too keith i'm not sure how much you've read about like people popping up etc um i saw uh well because i was i was doing a lot of taylor research this weekend Mm -hmm. um i saw that paul rudd turned up at one of the shows oh there were a lot of celebrities in the crowd i'm actually talking about on stage oh on stage yeah she actually brought out uh jack antonoff to perform getaway car which he produced hasn't Um, he been on stage with her before on this tour not that I know of. Oh, okay. I don't think he's been on tour. My and bad. you know who has? Phoebe Bridgers came out with her also this on one of the stops, and she has been on um, stage before, like the first day well, that she's she. She's also like opening. She's like one yeah, of the yeah. She's one of the openers. Yeah. Um, but there's a the fans in the crowd were crazy. Of course, it's New York. Like it was everybody in like Danielle, our social media um, 
uh, editor who was there on Friday night. I think she was there more she than was, that, I think too. she might have been there all three nights. I think she might have. But she was feeding me intel on Friday while I was still working and sending me pictures of, like, celebrities in, like, the VIP tents. She was, like, popping around to, like, the VIP tents and, like, so-and-so's here, so-and-so's here. I'm like, okay, this is too much information. Mariska Hargitay, who is the namesake of one of Taylor Swift's cats. She plays Olivia Benson on SVU. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers noted, was there. Noted sport ball player. <laughs> Very true. He plays football? He does. He's a quarterback. That's all true. For the Jets? He just literally, signed, I think, signed a contract with the Jets because he's been Green Bay Packers his entire career. Okay. And now he's Jets. So I guess I he, so this close. is his New York debut. So close. <laughs> I mean, he is inside the, his new home. Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Does the yeah. Jets play at MetLife? Yes. God, I'm so good. You're so, you know so you know sports so well. So butch. <laughs> so butch. Did so we, butch. Did we hit all the Taylor? I mean, I, I can also just reference that you're losing me. You know, fans are really going crazy over the lyrics also, of this it, one. Also, to be specific, it's you're losing me, parenthetical, from the vault. Oh, well, which I that's don't, an interesting distinction because I don't know what that means. Well, what fault? Well, does it mean here's here's my question. Since it's, you know, a quote unquote new unreleased track, if we're following in the vein of, you know, her Taylor's version re-records, that would mean it was recorded at the same time or like crafted at the same time as everything else from Midnight's, but not released. Yeah, But why would you have to call it from the vault? Well, I, I feel like that might be her new, like, way of labeling things. Because, mm, you know what I mean? Maybe. Okay, so what we're not saying here is there's a lot of uh, speculated uh, sort of relationship stuff happening with Taylor that we're not going to get into, where she, you know, there is, you know, she... Well, fans are bringing up, there's a lot of lyrics about the end of a relationship, yes. and of course, this was... This, uh, as far as we know, was written concurrent to the rest of the Midnight songs. Right. So let me get this out. So Taylor uh, broke up with her longtime boyfriend. She now may be potentially seeing a new person. None of this we actually know to be true or not. But fans were, would then might want to speculate if you're losing me is about the current situation or the previous situation. I think what she's trying to do is draw a line and say, this old, this is an old song written a long time ago. So you shouldn't get it twisted about maybe it's about something that's happening today. I think that's, that's my take. That's interesting. But I don't know why I haven't the foggiest because I'm, I'm not a Taylor Swift expert. I just think if you look at all the other re-records, how she's labeled things, it kind of makes sense if this is how she does things moving forward because Karma, well, she, well, she would have called it Taylor's version. Well, then. well, I no, no, that that Taylor's version is like the re-recording. Oh, right. So, so from the vault is like just how she labels something that was written at the same time as the process of a like a you know parent album. So we're saying that this was written at the same time as all the rest of the tracks of Midnight. Whereas. Uh, more Lana version of Snow on the Beach and Ice Spice Karma remix are truly new songs that just extend the legacy of the previous Midnights. To be a Taylor Swift fan, you also have to be like an aspiring like librarian. Or you need a bulletin board with a lot of strings. pins and strings. <laughs> <laughs> I with mean, an invisible string is what you love need. It. Gotta um, love it. Should we move on to the Barbie soundtrack? Yeah. Okay. Oh God, so good grief. We got a lot of news about the Barbie soundtrack last week. Um, basically, we know now. That Mark Ronson is producing the soundtrack. Um, we exactly got producing. We got a partial soundtrack uh, track list. Yes, we, there were a few TBAs in the track list. But just to give you a, a hint of some things, we've got Lizzo on there, um, Charlie XCX, Carol G, Tame Impala, Ryan Gosling. What's the song he says? I'm just Ken. I'm just Ken. 
I cannot wait <clears throat> for that to be a hit on the Hot 100. Um, Dominic Fike, The Kid Leroy, Khalid, Pink Panthers, Gail, Ava Max, 50 50. I've, I've left uh, one or a couple things here. One thing is Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice, there she is again, on a song called Barbie World, which we got a little taste of in the new trailer, and it samples Aqua's Barbie Girl. Aqua is one of the credited artists on this. It song. says it's referred to as Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice with Aqua. And, um, People, there was a lot of speculation about whether Barbie Girl would be involved in the soundtrack or the movie at all because uh, notoriously Mattel not too pleased with the song Barbie Girl when it came out because it's very sexual. Yeah. You know, uh, anyway, you can undress me everywhere, etc. But <clears throat> clearly, they've either gotten over it or this, I mean, this new version is probably more sexual. <laughs> it's, it's Nicki Minaj. <laughs> so I don't know if they're winning this battle. <laughs> but there was actually a full-on variety headline that said, Barbie Girl will not be in this movie. And, like, I guess technically it technically, won't, but, like, a version of it will be on the soundtrack. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, maybe Mattel smartly realized that there could be a way to wink at... Aqua's Barbie Girl, mm-hmm. you know, where maybe they use the "Come on, Barbie, let's go party," you know, and like they they use elements of it that are that are uh, palatable mm-hmm. to Mattel and to the Barbie franchise, and God help you know any the the people that probably Mark Ronson and maybe the music supervisors and the artists involved on this album, I would imagine I'm just guessing mm-hmm. probably had to. Submit music to be approved by Mattel mm-hmm. and Barbie HQ to make sure that nothing was untoward or too salacious or whatever right. to make sure that it was keeping in the spirit of what they want Barbie to be and the audience for Barbie. Right, because like, so I'm sure I'm sure this is a very like poppy, clean Nikki song. But then again, we'll who knows? See. We'll see. I mean, I think this whole movie is so tongue-in-cheek, too, that Mattel probably gave them a little, like, leeway, because even though the the Barbie audience is young girls, I don't know that the Barbie movie audience is going to be, it's definitely not going to exclusively be young girls. It's a Greta Gerwig audience. It's a Margot Robbie audience, you know? Like, there's going to be a lot of adults taking this in. There's so much wink-wink about everything that's been in the trailers so far. So Mattel might be like, you know what? (laughs) You go nuts. And this is going to be a little extension of the Barbie brand, but not like a pristine representation of it. And and the first single from the album is Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa's Dance the Night. Dua Lipa's. We learned last week that Mark Ronson slid into Dua's DMs um, and told him, told her that he had read the script for Barbie that he'd been asked to oversee the soundtrack and that he wanted her to join. He like basically had a beat, a disco beat, as if you've heard the song, you know, very future nostalgia, disco beat, and wanted her to come write it with him, write a single to that to that beat. And so she agreed to do that. And she put on a music video for the song as well last week, which is super fun. She looks like a real life Barbie like she always has. Well, yeah, she she's, continues she's to. She's basically a supermodel. <laughs> um, and then in the movie, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, she is a mermaid Barbie in the movie, but there's no reference to that in the video at all. No. She's got legs, guys, as ZZ Top would say. She knows how to use them. <laughs> um, maybe, uh, well, it, it looks, from the appearance of the music video, it looks as if Dance the Night might actually have a significant 
um, appearance in the movie, where it looks like it well, looks like they're it like like have a big like dance party sequence to the song. Yes, and and uh, sorry, that was part of Mark's DM pitch was like there's this big dance number in the middle, and that's like the showcase song, and that's what he wanted to do it to be that's a part a great of. Way to sell an artist on do you want to be part of something? Obviously worked you'll out. Be, you'll be featured heavily in a big huge sequence. Yes, and I think what the video does is kind of um, creates this new setup like that looks similar to the big dance scene in the movie because they they pop in a scene of you know Margot Robbie dancing Issa Rae dancing like all the different people from the Barbie movie and uh, and then she's got her own dance number that she's doing Greta Gerwig makes a little cameo at the end in her director's chair um, a disco ball gets smashed it's it's all very campy and wonderful but um, I have to say I'm most excited to hear the Nikki and Ice Spice Barbie World next that's my next uh, taste I'm gonna need I think uh, also also in the uh, big dance sequence is uh, Scott Evans who you, oh Chris Evans brother Chris Evans brother who is I, I think he's one of the Kins he's a Ken he's a Ken along with Ryan Gosling the lead Ken Simu Liu I think is a Ken I think so yeah Man, what a movie this is going to be. I is it Michael Sarah a Ken? No. What's he? <laughs> he is another he's another named Oh right, that's right. There's a name. <laughs> he's like he's like Ken's good friend. <laughs> I think I think Ken might have been his best man at his wedding. Oh my gosh. Ken this... I think Ken is married to Skipper? Am I wrong? Um, Ken is No, 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 no. You're no, saying no. Michael Sarah's character Michael is Sarah's character. Okay. Um, hold on. But Skipper's Isn't she the teen sister? She shouldn't be married yet. <laughs> Michael Sarah's Barbie character is Alan. Oh, Alan. Wasn't he married to Midge? Yes. Okay, Midge is an adult. (laughs) Unlike Skipper, who's 18. (laughs) I love it. There's a a GQ article headline uh, from April 6th. Michael Sarah is Barbie Land's most stylish toy boy. Ah, toy boy. That's awesome. Um, so let me say one more thing. For Well, actually, a couple more things. There are two TBAs on this uh, track list. Oh. Do we feel like since, you know, they, they gave us the Ryan Gosling tease, we think maybe there's other, like, actors from the movie that are on the track list, and that's why they're being cagey? You think, like, Margot Robbie has a song, yeah, maybe? That, that seems like it would be. Or do you uh, think they're bigger artists that they're waiting to reveal, which is crazy to say after I've just said, like, Lizzo, Nicki Minaj. Bigger, uh, marquee names. Some marquee names left to be revealed. Let's maybe maybe there's maybe there's some names left to reveal that those maybe those artists want to reveal them in a different way. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Ryan Gosling is going to get a Hot 100 hit, Keith? I'm hoping. Can you see the future? I, I mean, I have no idea what if it's a song, if it's just like a 25 second snippet. Right. Is it is it him like? Is it him doing a, an acoustic ballad? I'm just Ken. Um, yeah. Or is <laughs> like it? I'm just Ken. Like it's, it's an a hip hop track. <laughs> is it? Is it him going to be? Is he? Is he going to wear like parachute pants like he was on Star Search back in the <laughs> late '80s? Well, well, maybe some story uh, lines are given away in the soundtrack because they're releasing it on the exact same day as the film is released, which is July 21st, which is a long time away. That is. It's like two months away. <laughs> I know. So yeah. So the soundtrack and the and the film are both coming out July 21st, and man, it is a very pop shop crew. So we will be talking all about that. What? So wait, you just said something and then you dropped it. What, oh. The narrative. What's the plot that they're? Well, revealing? I'm just saying if they're not going to if they I feel like they would put the soundtrack out a week early like a lot of films do it unless I'm just Ken is like a signature song within the film that they don't want to give away you know what I mean like oh. they're trying to like just have it all be concurrent well, so you yeah. watch the movie before enjoying the soundtrack and yeah, they'll probably drip out pre-release 
you know, songs beforehand, which okay. is sort of the normal case. Nikki and I Spice will definitely come early. Uh, Has to. Yeah, I guess. We'll see. Um, I also feel like I'm being hyper-targeted with this movie. I don't know I why. Know. <laughs> I mean, maybe you and I both are. Yes. Because <laughs> I've, I've talked to other people that work at Billboard who feel like this and I'm. This is no shade, and I'm not saying who they are. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to whatever you're about to say. <laughs> they they have felt like, wow, this could be very like this could be like the Brady Bunch, mm, where it's like mm-hmm. it's pop culture moment. It it's like targeted to a very specific audience that has like a nostalgia thing, maybe gay people, young women. I love the Brady Bunch movie, and I'm like, I love the Brady Bunch movie too. Yeah. I thought it was fun and great, but I think this person. Full disclosure, was a heterosexual man. Um, (laughs) So I have the feeling like maybe this movie might just sort of sail over like huge segments of demographics unless they're brought along by their girlfriends I was just going to say Dan is getting taken to this movie. But Dan probably has zero interest well, in Well, I don't know. I think he, well, he, well, he loves Dua Lipa. We'll start with that. <laughs> sure. Um, no, I don't know if that would be enough to get you into but this movie. It's funny how you said you were feeling hyper-targeted because I also was feeling that way. And then they announced Mark Ronson was doing the soundtrack, who's like my favorite, you know, everything. Like I'm literally on this podcast before, whenever it's like, you know, bring up a dream collaboration or whatever, I'm literally always like, Mark Ronson and Dua Lipa, please, who have uh, collaborated before uh, via Silk City, which is Diplo and Mark Ronson's uh, side project. But this is the first exclusive Dua Lipa, Mark Ronson production. And I I like that Mark slid into the DMs and I hope it means that maybe he'll be on the next album, too. Friend Those are pod- all the friend things. Of, friend of the podcast, Mark Ronson. Yeah, I've spoken to him. You have. <laughs> I didn't. Dua, friend of the podcast. Well, that's, yeah. Well, <laughs> These I mean, are our, they're just our friends. Well, <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure neither one of them would actually that's fair, but <laughs> know who we are if we saw them in person. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, all right. Shall we move on? Yes. All right. Now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Thirty years ago this week, the late Tina Turner, who died on May 24th at the age of 83, debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 with what would become her final top 10 hit, I Don't Wanna Fight. The track started at number 83 on the March 29th, 1993 dated list and climbed to a peak of number 9 on the August 14th chart. The song was featured on the soundtrack album to the then-new film about Turner's life, What's Love Got to Do With It?, starring Angela Bassett as Tina and Lawrence Fishburne as Ike, her former husband. And the track is heard over the end credits of the movie. By was the w- it uh, like an awards contender as like a new song for the film? Uh, apparently, f- from the light research that I did, mm-hmm. the song was not written specifically for the movie. Oh, interesting. And by the way, this has nothing to do with anything. This is the song that's been trapped in my head since the news broke. And I don't know why, but I love this song. Maybe because you were 11 at the time? Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess it was the and one it, that was it, released closest to, like, my current age. That, that would have been, like, the last kind of, like, hit that yeah. you would— And you probably would have seen it on VH1 but or every heard time, it on radio. Every time I see the title, I sing it. So continue. All right. <laughs> well, I Don't Want to Fight marked uh, Tina's sixth solo top ten on the Hot 100 and her first since 1986's Typical Male topped out at number two for three weeks. She also logged top tens with We Don't Need Another Hero, Thunderdome, Private Dancer, Better Be Good to Me, and her only number one, What's Love Got to Do With It. Before she was a solo star, she was one half of the duo I Can Tina Turner, and uh, they hit the top ten back in 1971 with their cover of Creedence Clearwater Revival's Proud Mary. 
I Don't Want to Fight also became Tina's first and only number one on the adult contemporary chart, spending seven weeks atop the list and going on to become the second biggest adult contemporary hit of 1993 on our year-end chart. Fight was also a major radio hit on other formats. It climbed to number three on the radio songs chart and to number seven on the pop airplay chart. We recently posted Tina's top 10 biggest hits on the Billboard Hot 100 on Billboard.com, and I Don't Want to Fight ranks at number 7 on the tally. So actually, here's the rest of the top 10 in case you haven't seen that story online. So number 10 is What You Get Is What You See. Number 9 is One of the Living. Number 8 is It's Only Love, her hit duet with Brian Adams. Number 7, of course, is I Don't Want to Fight. Number 6 is Private Dancer. Number five is Proud Mary. Number four is Better Be Good to Me. Number three is Typical Male. Number two is We Don't Need Another Hero, Thunderdome. And number one is What's Love Got to Do With It? So there you have it. 30 years ago this week, the late Tina Turner debuted on the Hot 100 with one of her most popular songs and what would become her final Hot 100 Top 10, I Don't Want to Fight. Did you ever see Tina Turner live? Never. Oh, you missed out. Yeah, I sure did. I, I saw her once. Uh, I, posted on, I posted about this on my Instagram. I saw her in 2000 for the 24-7 tour at the what was then called the Arrowhead Pond uh, in Anaheim. Oh, which is where the Ducks play? The, yes. Um, so it's the Honda Center now. Yes, yeah, the Honda Center now. Um, heck of a show. I mean, at the, at the, I mean, it was just... Great, as you can imagine, because I'm sure by now, if uh, if you haven't, you've you've probably not, not even having tried, you've probably seen clips of Tina Turner, you know, on stage, you know, dancing up a storm. Yeah, and I mean, 2000, like we, the clip that we referenced a lot was uh, when she teamed up with Beyonce at the 2008 Grammys, and I mean, talk about just still being top of her game. Looked excellent, sounded excellent, like. Just, you know, yeah, a star, superstar. Superstar. Um, and I also uh, remarked in that how my my first memory, like I, I vividly remember watching the What's Love Got to Do With It video when it was contemporarily popular. It's not a word, contemporarily. When it was popular. Yes. At the time, back in, I guess, 84, I can, I can see the video on the TV. I love that. In my dad's house. I love that. And I, I distinctly remember her hair. I remember the leather miniskirt she was wearing. She had really red lipstick. She had this great smile. And, of course, the song itself was great. But I remember all of it. And I'm like, God, I was really young. But somehow that just burned an image in my brain. Right. You know, a core memory was was birthed. But, you know, I think – and then as I said this, you know, on my Instagram post, I think, you know, I think she, she – she did that same thing to later generations and people in later decades with maybe different images and different performances and yep. different moments. For some people, it was that moment on the Grammys with Beyonce. Sure. For some, maybe it was like when she did something with Oprah Winfrey once. You know, maybe it was seeing Angela Bassett and her Oscar-nominated performance and What's Love Got to Do With It and then suddenly discovering a woman they didn't know about mm-hmm. because of that movie. 
Or maybe it was sadly because she passed away and people are discovering her now for the first time. Or the people who she was, you know, the Ike and Turner, Ike and Tina, sorry, soul singer back in the day. I mean, like she's lived so many lives. Her first hit was in 1960. Exactly. 1960. Yep. Um, Oh, oh. And last thing. (laughs) Breaking news. Um, So, uh. Yesterday, uh, the weekend posted something on oh, his Instagram story. I saw your your IG story about this. So in the past two weeks, the weekend has posted something about Madonna. Pictures of Madonna. There was a picture from her, like a prayer video, and then there was another picture, right? Well, yeah. So uh, there was a, a like a week or a week or so ago, he posted just a still image of Madonna from her, like a prayer video, with no context, mm-hmm. and that was in his feed. And then yesterday he posted something in this story, um, which oh it was it was him uh, sharing Madonna's story where she was being cheeky and saying um, "Am I vulgar?" and then she was flipping off the camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, the weekend does not post Madonna twice in the past like less than two weeks unless By something accident. is. And then then I went on to Twitter, which is just you know a a, you know, black hole of lies and half truths. <laughs> and someone is saying that someone, I don't know if this is true. It's just someone, someone who has a lot of followers um, with a lot of retweets and a lot of quote tweets. So maybe there is some significant following where people believe this person. Um, they said that there is apparently a new song coming soon from the Idol soundtrack, the weekend's show on HBO, uh, that is Playboy Cardi and The Weeknd and Madonna. Didn't Sam Smith announce a Madonna thing last week, too? And apparently there's also a Sam Smith <laughs> and Madonna track coming, because um, both Sam Smith and Madonna posted something where it was a teaser, where it was like, Sam and Madonna, Sam and Madonna. I'm like, is this the new song? Is this a song? Is this a remix? I don't know what this is. So, oh, and on top of that, on June 9th, on June 9th, Christine and the Queens have a new album, and three of the songs feature Madonna. What are you talking about? How does this woman have time to do all this? I don't know. And then also that tour <laughs> starting. This is wild. So, like, one, one— Sounds like our next ten podcasts are going to be about Madonna, guys. <laughs> so, just we're prefacing all this. Like, all this stuff may drop now, next <laughs> week, in the next month. I have no idea. We don't even know if this stuff is true. You're already listening to it now. <laughs> you, you could be. Okay, I think now we've finally reached the end okay, of the show. Okay, I think yes. Um, any, we got to go out on Tina. Yeah, okay. Got to go out on Tina. Which— what, did you want to go? Well, um, we already heard. I don't want to fight. fight. So we need to break off something else. How about the best? Oh, I mean, that says it all. Which strangely is not one of her top 10 hits. It's simply outside the top 10. It's definitely in the top 20, though. If you want to see the full hits list, go to billboard.com. Uh, OK, we'll go out on the best and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. You're simply.